Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. I hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving um, and had an amazing time. I, I love Thanksgiving. I, I love it not for spiritual reasons. Like, I would love to say that I'm being super spiritual, but I love the food. The dinner is just the best. The turkey, casseroles, the deviled eggs. My family let me down this year uh, because typically my sister will make deviled eggs and make an entire pan just for me. And she said, you get two and only two. I was just like, this is the worst experience of my life. It's one of those times of years where no one judges you for how much you put on your plate. And the more times I get up to get seconds, thirds, and fourths, they cheer me on. Like, good for you. Eat up. It's a, it's a great time of year. It's, a, it's really cool when large families get together um, because it seems like every family member has a specialty thing that they bring to family, to Thanksgiving. Somebody makes the turkey. I think Daryl is like the master chef when it comes to deep frying turkeys. Uh, did anybody have Daryl's turkey? Yeah, me neither. Um, so no. Uh, now, somebody does fantastic at pies. Uh, they do great at casseroles. Um, and they bring what they're really, really good at to a Thanksgiving dinner, and they, they present their best. Um, and, they, and they do all those things. And, uh, you know, someone like a Daryl can, can do a turkey where it's still moist and it's crispy, but it's not dried out. And I don't know about you, but I love a good apple pie. Man. Now... I have PTSD about pecans, so I don't eat pecan pie, but, um, you know, or pumpkin pie. Um, and then, then they tell me my specialty is to bring Coke and tea. Um, and so, like, how can I help for Thanksgiving? My mom's like, oh, you're pretty. Just go get a Coke and uh, come back. And, you know, it's eat and eat and eat, and I love it because you eat and you feel like a glutton. And you have a crisis of faith halfway through of... Was that last bite sin? And then you're like, I need leftovers. So, uh, and it's, it's, it's great. And leftover Friday is the best, isn't it? Like the next day turkey and food, and especially if you're me, um, because I'm the guy who brings $4.95 of drinks and takes home $32.50 in leftovers. Um, and so I always come out on top in Thanksgiving. It's just a wonderful time. And I'm that guy who brings like, Broccoli. Like, it's not even cooked. It's just, it's, it's there, but then I'll take home. Like, I bring my own Tupperware to bring home food. It's just the best. Can I tell you guys something, though, that God has presented this church and every church to be a church of leftovers? He has this connotation, as I was thinking about Thanksgiving and the idea of leftovers, that you're supposed to be able to come into a place like this on a Sunday morning, uh, bring something which would be yourself, your worship, your talent, whatever it may be, and leave with something to take home. Something that you're supposed to be able to eat on for the next couple of days. Something that you're supposed to impact. If you're going to church to check a list and then nothing is being taken home with it, can I, can I just tell you, you're probably in the wrong spot. 
I'm not naming churches. I'm just saying, spiritually speaking, God wants you to go into his house, have an encounter with his presence, have a wonderful relationship with his people, hear his word, take it home, and chew on it for the next few days. God designed all of this to be an idea where something is taken home after every single service. Every time you connect with Christ, it's supposed to be something where you have leftovers. You have the main idea, the main meal, his presence, whatever it is. And then you drive home and go, what just happened? What, what was that encounter? God, what were you telling me during worship? What was going on in that experience? When, when I listened to the message, this is what it meant to me. And, and how do I apply that into my life? And, and, and one of the hardest things as a communicator, as a pastor and a preacher is trying to speak everybody's situation. And, and when I get on this dangerous road of, of naming different things or walking through different scenarios, they'll be like, well, that's not my scenario. I don't have to worry about it. Well, it, it's not my job to, to, to communicate every area of your life, but it is our jobs to take what has been given out and then apply it to yourself. <clears throat> you take it home. Uh, if you have a Bible, which I hope you do, open up to John chapter 6. If you have a smartphone, there's plenty of Bibles on there. John chapter 6, uh, Joshua is just incredible. He's going to put it on the screen above our heads. We're going to um, read through this, and it says that after these things, Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude loved, followed him, because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And when Jesus went up on the mountain, and, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover of the Feast of the Jews was near, and Jesus lifted his eyes, and seeing the great multitude coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where will we buy bread that all these may eat? And he said this to test Philip, for he knew himself what he would do. And Philip answered him and said, Two hundred denarii worth of bread isn't sufficient for them that everyone may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a lad who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Look at somebody and say, Sit down. Sit down. Tell them like it's your kids at Thanksgiving dinner. Sit down. Y'all, we've got a diverse church and different cultures represented. And some of you guys will look at your kid and go, oh, sweet baby, honey, love of my life, bright and morning star. If you can just take a moment and lower your bottom to the chair, that would be just, that would help dad so much. That's not how I was raised. <laughs> Others say, sit down. Just anywhere. Sit your butt. I'm tired of you letting the bought air out. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all heard that. Just sit your butt down. I don't care where it is. Just sit down. Don't you dare take that plastic off. Y'all remember grandma's house who had the plastic all over the couch that you weren't allowed to take off because she bought it in 1945 and it still looked brand new because she didn't want your nasty. Yeah, sit down and I don't care where. Don't move, because if I had to stand up, you sitting down. How many of y'all part of that house? How many of y'all seen that house before? How many of you were that kid? And you just went, like, not right there. You're in the door. Go sit down somewhere. You sit anywhere, Dad. Mom, don't beat me. Yeah. You know who doesn't deal with that? Baron. <laughs> My parents' dog. He does what, just the best. Best life. My parents decided, my parents, my mom decided to hang the stockings 
based on importance. <laughs> so you've got the kids at the end, and as it stacks to the middle, you've got mom, dad, and the dog stalking at the centerpiece of the fireplace. And I'm like, what had happened? You know where I'm at? Down the end. Just scoot down the bench, Pete. Yeah, good times. You know what's sad is that sometimes uh, I, I enjoy the show. When you're not the kid getting in trouble, and you watch some, does anybody, did y'all get awkward? Like all of a sudden you're like, oh, look at that light. Yeah, it's, it's round. It's pretty. Parents are going off. I'm throwing popcorn in. I'm here for it. I want to see what happens. What's it look like on the other side? Jesus tells everybody to sit down. Tell them to sit down. I got this. In verse 11, he keeps going and it says this, and he took the loaves when he had given thanks and he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down. And likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted, they ate till they were full. Sounds like a Thanksgiving dinner to me. As I was reading this, I felt God just tell me that he wants to take you into a new season. I, I, I love the end of one year and the beginning of the next, but I just, this is not a hype because it's November. This is something that I really feel dropped into my heart where God is waiting to take you from one season to a new season. It's a season of a spiritual all-you-can-eat buffet. I love a good buffet. There's nothing like it. I don't care if it's $20. I still feel like I get my money's worth. And I do get my money's worth. Like, you can ask my mom. My mom doesn't. She eats four grapes and is filled. But take me to a good buffet. Man, I'm all over. And I feel like God is moving us where you're not going to have a season of lack. It's a season where he has a table prepared for you. It's a season that has been set apart for you. It's been hidden for you. It's been reserved for you. I, had a, I met a man a few years back who was opening up a restaurant, a, a very nice restaurant. It was a, a, a smaller restaurant. And, and I was talking to him about his restaurant. And he said, yeah, we open up next weekend. And I said, great. So I went online, tried to get a reservation, but they were already booked up. Ran into him at Publix a few days later and said, hey, man, like, your restaurant online looks great. Try to get a table. It, it, it wasn't available. I'll have to catch it up when the, the rush goes down. And he looks at me and says, you better show up to opening night because I've got a table set apart for you. And I said, the online says it's full. He says, I always take a table off the books. I keep a table off the books that no one else can reserve. So when somebody that I deem important comes in, they can have that spot. I want you to understand me when I tell you that God is moving you from one season to another season. He's, he's hidden things for you. There's a, there's a, difference, there's a difference between God uh, 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 hiding something for you and holding something back from you. And I feel like what's happening right now is that God has been hiding and he's been reserving things in the seasons so that you can have an encounter in his presence like you've never had before. And this next season that we're going into is going to be a season that there's been a table that has been reserved just for you. And you're going to get your fill. 
as I'm as I'm meditating on this whole idea, right, you know, yesterday going, God get my, you know, getting the feel. And it's funny how people's minds work. And people get upset when I talk about it's going to be a buffet of God's, you know, of God's goodness, and they get all snooty. At what point did I mention money? I didn't. So everyone's, people get all uptight. Oh, here he goes again, preaching about money. Never once said money. How about you could get your feel of relationships? How about opportunities? How about peace? How about joy? How about comfort in your spiritual life? How about an abundance of his presence? And if your mind's instantly triggered into this idea of, oh, here comes another prosperity preacher, maybe that says more about you than it does me, because I never mentioned it once. But if God chooses to bless you financially, then so be it. What I'm telling you right now is that you're going to be moving into a season. The past few years, for many of you guys, have been an interesting season. It's been a reshifting season. But you know what's one of the beautiful things that have taken place is that we went from one season that we're leaving out of right now, going into a new season, where you got to see people's true colors. People said things were priorities. People said that they were the whatevers. They said that they were going to be your boys. They were going to be your BFF. They were going to be your girl. They were going to ride or die. They were going to be that kind of person. And then when everything wasn't comfortable anymore, where are they now? You see, you went from a season that you got to see where other people were and who they really truly were and see their colors and, and see what's going on so that when God brings you into this next season, you know who you're supposed to surround yourself with. Because I really believe that a lot of us had to leave a season full of leeches and go into a season where you can be free to be exactly who you're supposed to be. Because we've had relationships that were relationships of convenience for their sake. It's not that you don't love, it's not that you don't care, it's not that you don't help. But there's a difference between living a life based on everyone else and living a life based on what God's called you to be. And I believe that you're going to be living a life... Hmm, a season of an open door, a season where God's going to be revealing himself in a new way. <clears throat> it's a new season. Notice this, he told the, he, he said they were filled, as we keep reading, he told his disciples to gather up the fragments so that nothing was lost. Hmm. Okay. I don't care what has taken place. That's all right. I don't know what's taken place in your life. But I need you to hear me that you're not lost. Your GPS may not know where you are, but he knows exactly where you are. And there's many times in our lives that we have felt like the leftovers. That God had some extra time, he had some extra ingredients, and he just threw it together. But that is one of the biggest lies anybody could ever possibly believe. You're not a leftover, and nothing is lost. I felt that 
even as I was just reading that, there is a leftover mindset that many of you guys have. Can I be honest? I probably have it too at times in my life, in my present. I'm going to act like it was 85 years ago. You're not a leftover. But God created you on purpose and with purpose. Not because he just had stuff lying around that he just threw together. Not because he was bored and was like, I need to clean out the kitchen. And Oh, look, uh, I made a Candace. You're not the leftovers. You were picked. See, leftovers are things that weren't picked, but we just don't want to throw them away. You were bought with a price. In other words, he chose you. He picked you. You're not an orphan. You're not something that wasn't picked and put into some Tupperware and thrown in the refrigerator for a later use that we all know is not going to actually happen. We'll just move it around for a few weeks until we feel comfortable enough to throw something away and not offend anybody. You're not discarded. You're not a nothing. See, God has a plan for you in this season, and it's not to throw you away. Anybody ever made you a meal and you took a bite and you're like, that was not good at all. But they were right there. You're like, man, I had a big lunch. I'm going to put this in some Tupperware, save this for later. The moment they walk out, yeah, God's not trying to appease you. He created you on purpose. And I need to tell you that he knows what he's doing. Something is shifting. A few, was it two weeks ago, EJ goes, hey, I had, she had an idea, an idea of a vision board that's in the back. She had this idea where we could take what we've been dreaming of, what we've been working through, the things that God wants to be done in your life, and you can write it down. You know, Habakkuk tells us to write the vision down, make it clearly so he sees it, he can run with it. So she wanted to, to write it down, and, and it's in the back. And she didn't know about this message about you not being a leftover coming down the road, but you know who did? He did. And I love how he works, that he doesn't tell me the whole story, but he tells a piece to you and a piece to me and a piece to you. And as we come together, we can see the meal. And that's exactly what Thanksgiving dinner with family is. It's not a turkey, and it's not a casserole, and it's not deviled eggs. That's not my sodas. It brings their peace that makes the, the meal take place. And I need you to, to hear me where somebody else may have a, 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 a turkey roll, if you will, and you may feel like a soda roll. Everybody has a role. And it's an important piece. It's an important piece to play. And it's our responsibility not to discredit our role, but to walk in going, I have an important piece to play in this function. And, and God has you on purpose. And you're not the leftovers. You're not discarded. This is not something that has just happened and that you just, oops, here you are, and it is whatever. But but God knows exactly what he wants to do. And he wants to bring you together, not as leftovers, but as the main meal. And you're almost there because this next season is an awakening season. It's not a season about stuff, money, and toys. <clears throat> but it is a season to awaken dreams. You know what's crazy? When dreams take place, the stuff, money, and toys follow. When somebody begins fulfilling the dreams, it just seems like everything else follows. It's a season where dormant things that you thought were dead 
are coming back, not because they're dead, but they've just been sleeping. It's a season that God says for your dreams to wake up. And I feel like that right now is that God is telling the entrepreneurs to wake up. Those who've always had a dream to be a college grad, to wake up. You've had a dream to be a parent, wake up. To be in ministry, to go on missions trips, to see signs, wonders, and miracles, wake up. I don't know what God has for you, but he does. You do. But I know one thing that's for sure is that you have had an idea inside of your heart that may be dormant for years, and it's time to wake up. And I believe that one thing that's crazy is that your dream's not dead. It's just been asleep. And the reason why it's been asleep is because if your dream would have been fulfilled two or three years ago, your dream might have died. But God's been setting it aside. He has been holding it, reserving it for you. Because I really believe that in the next season that we're walking into, dreams are going to be awakened again. The idea of taking a step of faith is going to be awakened again. The idea that you're going to start seeing things that you've been dreaming about since you were in high school or in college or as a, as a, in, in your 20s or 30s. How about this? People who are in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s dreaming again. I love that because in the last days, your young men and your old men, yeah, Young men's going to dream dreams. Your old men's going to have visions. This is going to be something that we both multi-generational walking into. Can I tell you, a vision of your life is not a young man's game. Come on. Well, I missed my moment. Says who? Says who? Abraham had a dream. He didn't have his kid till he was 100. Think about that. When did Noah start building the ark? 120? Okay, well, that was pre-flood. How about this? How about Joshua took a mountain against young men in, eight, it was 80? 80 years old. He stormed a mountain and held it with a sword against young men. I didn't need a nap, right? Yeah, he took his Metamucil and he went up that hill. He was good to go. He just, the audacity, and this isn't the time when they're living to be 450, 500 years old. Joshua had a vision that that's my hill. That's my spot. And if that's my spot, I'm going to take it. Well, you're 80. And? Well, you made mistakes. And? You've made bad decisions. And is he not the redeemer? Come on, somebody. Is he not the restorer of the lost? Does he not take the ashes and make something beautiful again? Does he not have the ability to call things out? Come on. I believe right now that the church needs to arise again where they used to be, where they used to believe that they said something that meant something. When you used to open your mouth and you spoke to things that aren't as though they are and you believed it, you weren't just going through the motions and God, I believe. And now you don't believe that. You actually looked at the mountain and go, I can take them. The idea that an old man can run up a mountain with a sword and go, I got this. The same idea that he can look and have the audacity to look at the sun and say, stand still. And it did. He wasn't done with the fight. I, I, I played two games of basketball on, on Friday. I was done. He was hand-to-hand combat going, yeah, I got more in the tank. Keep that sun up a little longer, boss. 
Everybody that Joshua knew had been dead. Him and Caleb were the only two that stood. Can I tell you, he didn't need 45 people being his cheerleaders. Because he knew, my dream will inspire other people's dreams. He knew who he was. You know what's crazy? He didn't know this. But roughly 4,000 years after he takes a hill that we would still be talking about an old man taking a hill. You don't know who you're going to be inspiring. You don't know who you're going to be connecting with. You don't know what dream you're going to be connecting with. But can I tell you, being a dreamer is not a bad thing. Especially when God put a dream in your life because, can I tell you, your dream is a piece of the puzzle that it's going to take to see this world change. I'm not done with this world yet, and I hope you're not either. I hope we're not mailing it in and waiting for our chips to be cashed in until we get in the sweet by and by or we ride off into a sunset, but we're still here to take a hill. And I don't know what your hill is, but I know right now when I look around Millbrook, when I look around Prattville, when I look around Montgomery, it's not the kingdom of God. It's our responsibility in this place to see the dreams fulfilled because when your dreams are fulfilled, it's a sign that God's presence is on your life. And it's the goodness of God, Mike, that will lead men to repentance. It's when God's pouring it out on you that people go, I want some of that. Well, that's not fair. Life's not fair. I hate to break it to you. But can I tell you, fairness in God's world is not equality. <sighs> because what God's going to do in Mike's life may be so much larger than he's going to do in my life. But what's fair is that God fulfills the calling that's in my life and that God fulfills the calling that's in Mike's. He may be world famous. It's not a bad thing. He may be worth $85 million. I expect a good Christmas. You hit that lotto. But fairness isn't that we all have the same thing. What fairness is is that we have all the same access to dad who gives us who we're supposed to be. And I'm watching men and I've watched women that are more fulfilled, that have more peace, that have more joy, that have more love, they have great night's sleep, that have hardly any financial upbringings, but they're walking through their destiny with happiness. And I'm watching people full of millions and millions of dollars be miserable and not sleeping and, and popping pills every single night just to go to sleep because they're dealing with so much stress and anxiety and worry and all these other things. They're not living a happy life. Their car may be better than your truck. But my word, I'll take a good night's sleep over a truck any day of the week. Especially when you walk five minutes. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. Fairness in this next season is not that we all have the same house. It's my last day on the job. Heaven is not a, a socialistic network. We all don't have the exact same thing. You ever go to those neighborhoods and it's the same house over and over and over again? That's not what God's kingdom is meant to be. It's not what it's supposed to be in your life. God is a custom home builder. How many of you guys would love to live in the city? 
Yeah, there's a few. How many guys would love where you can't even see a neighbor? Yeah. So what's right? Do I take the people that don't want neighbors and put them in the city, or do I take the city people and put them out in the country? Come on, what's fair? Can I tell you, some people want huge homes. Some people don't want to clean huge homes. So what do we do? Do we cut it down the middle? Everybody's got to have the exact same. Well, it's not enough for you, but it's too much for you. So everyone can be miserable. Some people love motorcycles. Some people think they're death traps. Some people like big trucks. Some people like fast cars. Minivans for everybody. This is what we think. It's a funny joke, but how about this? Well, if he's going to be on stage, then I should be on stage. That you should be on stage, then you should be on stage. And if, and if he gets to do that, then I should be able to get to do that. And if he prays for them, then I should pray for them. And if, and if everybody says that to him, then I want the same thing that she's got. Then I, it's not how it works. You can ask my parents. I did everything, and my parents did everything both of us could. My dad did his absolute best to talk me out of ministry when I was in high school. And I thought, hey, I got to call on God. He goes, mm, you sure about that? Not because he didn't believe, but he wanted to make sure that I wasn't doing it because it's what he did. And then there was a season where I didn't know either. And so I ran from it as hard as I could. But there always came a moment in my life where I'm like, God, not my will, but your will be done. And it's funny that I will be tickled. I, the, the best Sunday that I've ever had in this place is when I don't have to play the piano, and I don't have to speak, and I don't have to do offering and announcements, and somebody walks in and greets me. Why? Because I don't like this to be about. I hate, I hate you guys looking at me. I see myself in the mirror. Just no. Sorry in advance. But my best days now are when I'm watching other people's dreams fulfilled. When I have an opportunity to sow whatever I have in talent and, and energy and, and authority into your life to see you happy in your dreams. That's what makes me happy. Watching other people fulfilled makes me happy. And I don't know what that does because it seems to be interesting. The more I pour into somebody else's life to see them fulfilled, the more people start coming to church. And it's like, well, that's not what the intended result was. Can I tell you, your, your wealth, your finances, your toys, your money, whatever it is, is not the goal. Laying your head on your pillow every single night going, God, I'm walking in your will and destiny is my goal. Every day is not going to be a sun still moment. Most days are Tuesdays. Nothing crazy happens on Tuesday. But will you serve God through the mundane? Will you follow him when nothing crazy is going on? See, I told you that this place on Sundays is full of leftovers, but you're not intended to live on leftovers. They expire. And we're going to be walking into a new season where your leftovers are going to expire. And, and the revelation you had le last month isn't going to work next month. And you're going to find yourself, you ever open up a Tupperware container of leftovers, go, what is this? And you take a sniff, and you're like, Bleh. it's boiled. Green dots. Yeah, dad has a system. Mom does not. Mom goes, just take a bite, see what happens. 
oh, that fuzzy stuff, it's supposed to be there. No, 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 no. Just cut around the mold. Y'all laugh. Dad? Yeah. The amount of times I've opened up a loaf of bread, I'm like, oh, there's mold here. Just cut around it. You cut around it. I'm not going to eat this. It's got mold for a reason. The spores spread. Nah, just right there. It's localized. It's not a tumor. It's mold. Your next season of life that we're fixing to walk ourselves into is going to be a season where you need fresh revelation. And that fresh revelation may be spurred on by something we do here on a Sunday, but it's your responsibility on Wednesday to make a new meal. It's the season where we go on diets. I hate, I hate it. Not because I have a sweet tooth and I love to exercise, but there's nothing like opening your refrigerator and you see a bunch of ingredients to go, McDonald's is so much easier, and close it up. But when it's been done for me, like I, I meal prep when I make or grill out six, eight different chickens and sides and I put them in Tupperware containers and I open the refrigerator and I go, it's already been made. And I pull it out because I prepared for it. This is the season you're going to be walking yourself into where you're going to have to think about your week before the week happens. I mean, you're going to find yourself doing spiritual meal prep where you're waking up on a Monday and go, hey, I need to prepare myself for this week. And I'm going to be setting aside time strategically because life is getting busy. And I'm going to go to bed and go, I didn't pray today. And I didn't read today. And it's okay. I'll get to another. And there's no shame. And there's no condemnation. But you're going to find yourself go from one, two, three, four, six, seven, eight, ten days, two weeks, five, whatever in a row and go, when was the last time I talked with God? Because you're going to have to do spiritual meal prep. Can I tell you, we're going to be going into a season, even here at New Life, where spiritual disciplines are imperative in our lives. That's a bad word. I understand that. But can I tell you, if you're going to be seeing the vision that God has for your life coming to pass, it's going to take spiritual discipline in your life. It's not an arduous schedule where you have to fast and pray every single Friday, but it is going to be something where you go, hey, this is the result to see what takes place. I'm going, to, I'm going to count the cost and I'm going to do it. You know what's the craziest part of this story for me? It's not the 5,000 fishes. The craziest part is that Jesus has a crowd and he walks away. And they follow him around the sea. There was no trains. There wasn't a, a bus. They woke up and go, where did he go? Oh, I think he got in the boat and went across the ocean, uh, across the sea. Let's go get him. People walked around the sea to find what they needed. And we can't get people to get in an air-conditioned car to drive five minutes to have a spiritual encounter. You want to go from one season of being isolated into a season full of fulfillment? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to get to that moment? And can I tell you, this is not jumping through hoops. The idea is, will you follow Christ wherever he goes, even if it takes effort? No, it's not a message we preach anymore. Just stay exactly where you are, open your mouth, and Jesus will spoon feed everybody. He walked away. He left them. 
It's black and white, right, right there. He woke up and was like, bye. And you know what would have happened if no one would have followed him? Jesus would have kept walking. But there was something about a hunger inside of these people that go, I need what he's got. I'm going to chase after him. And it was so crazy, they didn't make a plan. One mom goes, you're walking across the sea. Here's some food. To one boy. Notice, mom's not in that story at all. She looked at her son and go, you need Jesus? Go get it. not a helicopter parent. In other words, I'm going to help you in your journey at the cross. What happens to parents when they look at their sons and daughters and go, I'm not going to spoon feed everything to you, and I'm not going to hold you back, but I'm going to help you prepare for your journey. I'm going to show you how to pray. I'm going to show you how to read. I'm going to show you how to encounter God. I'm going to show you how to fast. I'm going to show you how to chase after him. I'm going to show you and prepare you so that when you want to go on your journey, everything is ready for you. They thought the craziest part of my story is not that Jesus performed a miracle. I think we all go, yeah, it's Jesus. It's that 5,000 plus went after him. That's a miracle. <clears throat> well, Pete, I'm just not strong enough. You know what's crazy? That word diseased isn't the idea of having the flu, it's weak and feeble individuals of spirit and body. <laughs> they're broken they're me they're you they're people who go what's happening is not working for me might as well go for a long walk they were feeble in body going it's worth chasing after Jesus and every step being painful than it is to sit at my house and wonder what if. You don't want to be a group of leftovers. Chase after Jesus. Give it everything you got. I love Philip's response. Jesus, if I had 200 denarii, I can't do this. It's the equivalent of 200 days worth of work. In other words, if you worked every single day from today to June 15th of next year, and you take every dime you ever make, it wouldn't be enough to give everybody a crumb. This is to test Philip. Because he already knew what he was going to do. And I love this. Jesus already knew what he was going to do, yet the loaves and fishes haven't revealed themselves yet. Think about that. In other words, Jesus goes, it'll be provided. The, the confidence in that statement is huge. It'll take 200, it'll take six months worth of salary. And I wonder if that test was to test Philip's faith. Okay, you've got six months salary faith. Okay, cool. Like it never clarifies why he talks to Philip that way. But one thing it shows me is this. Is that if you walk into my house right now and you go, hey, Pete, here's a $32,000 bill that's due today. 
I'm going to crumble. You know why? I, I don't have $32,000 just laying around, EJ. And that's exactly what just happened. Jesus looks at a man and goes, feed him. I don't have $32,000. Even if I did, I got nothing. It's a good thing to know that in the next season of life that God's not asking you to meet your own needs. All he's asking you to do is to follow him and present what's in your hand. He's been doing the same thing since the beginning because he looks at Moses and says, Moses, what's in your hand? It's a stick. Throw it on the ground. Give me what's in your hand and watch what I can do. Well, Peter, I don't have enough resources to do whatever it is that God wants me to do. What's in your hand? What do you have? You know what used to be in my dad's hands? Was it $10? Well, that Sundays? He, he, he would make decisions whether or not we were going to eat lunch or not, or he was going to tithe. You know what's crazy? God performed every single time. What's in your hands may not be millions, but God's not asking for your millions. He's asking for a stick. A stick he already created. He was asking for fish that he put in the sea. He's not asking you to manifest a miracle. The miracle is, will you follow me and give me the little bit that's in your hands and watch what I can do with it? And if you want to see your visions and you want to see your dreams and you want to see all that come to pass, it takes two things and two things alone. A willingness to follow him even if it's uncomfortable. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for he is with me. Thy rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I love this. Skip ahead a little bit. You prepare a table before me in the highest of highs. Says he prepares a table before me. In other words, he's already got something hidden in an uncomfortable location. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In the midst of the chaos, he has a table reserved for you in this next season. And when everybody else is getting eaten alive, he goes, I've got a table for one ready for you whenever you're ready. And I've got a meal ready for you. Whenever. It's not a table of pain. It's not a torturing device. I have a table prepared for you so that when your enemies rage around you, you can have peace and eat a meal. Think about that. I prepare a table for in the presence of your enemies in this next season of life. Your enemy is not your spouse. It's not your coworker. It's not your boss. It's not your neighbor. It's not the Karen down the road. It's not all of those things. Your, your enemy in this next season of life is, will I follow him when it's uncomfortable and will I give him my little bit? Because the war that's going to be raging in the next season of life, and you're going to watch it on the news, you're going to read it in the newspaper. I think they still make newspapers. You're going to see it on Instagram and Facebook and on TikTok and everything else. The world is going to be screaming, the sky is falling. I promise you, in the next 6 to 12 months, the sky will be falling. And God's going to go, will you follow me? And will you give me your little... God, I can't give you my little bit. The sky is falling. Trust me. And watch what takes place. We're going to be following a weird path in the next few months, a system that the world is going to set up for hoarding. It's going to be fear-based. 
And God's going to go, watch what I can do. He already knows what he's going to do. He already has a plan. But will you give him the stupid stick that he made? Will you give him the same fish he put in the sea? (laughs) You're not called to be a leftover. You're called to make an abundance. And here's where we're going to close this out. He gives bread to the eater and seed to the sower. And here's what's crazy is that he doesn't give you enough to survive. In fact, the word says that he gives you more than enough. Well, that's wasteful. The idea of God giving you more than enough that you need is so that you can invite somebody into his goodness. Having more than enough is not so that I can stockpile more things. It's so that I can take somebody and say, watch what God has done in my life, and you'll see the abundance that I have. I have enough in this next season to help you. I have enough in this next season to invite you to my table, and I can tell you about God's goodness. Sure, I'll have the opportunity to buy a new bike, to buy a new car, to upgrade my furniture, to whatever it is. Or I can say, God, I've got an opportunity to invite somebody that's lost into my house to show them your abundance. And you can buy all the new things you want with your abundance. Or you can be a blessing. You can be blessed to be a blessing like Abraham was. It's your call. In just a few minutes, I'm going to pray. A few moments. I'm going to close out service. I'm going to have Miss EJ give us some instructions on the vision board in the back. But here's what I want you to do. Is I want you to dream. I want radical dreams. Things that you thought were dead. Things that you thought were impossible. I don't care where you live. I don't care if you are living uh, in a leased out room by somebody else in a, in a, in a shack and God's got a, a vision for you to have your own house. Then write down, that I want my own house. I have a vision of a place. I have a vision to have a, be, a, be a business owner. I have a vision to, to get a promotion. I have, whatever that vision is, write it down, make it clear. And we're going to be praying that in this next season. But you've got to do two things. You've got to follow him even if it's uncomfortable. And you've got to give him your little bit. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for you speaking to us. I think that we can, we can surrender our lives and you already know what you're going to be doing. That as we give you our everything, that God, you have a plan and a purpose for it all. That you have redeemed it. You have called it. You have organized it. That we're not leftovers that are left to be discarded. But God, you have a plan and a purpose for each and every one of our lives. This next season, God, I just thank you for faith to, be, uh, to arise. For faith to be stirred up in every single man, woman, and child that can, can, can dare to believe that God is still God, that God can still do the impossible, that God does things that no one else can do. And we just thank you for it, Jesus. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.